The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, BronxPinstripes.com proudly brings to you the most exciting Yankees podcast in the world! George's Box. I think that's fair. If you're listening to this on Monday morning, the playoffs start today. A good anxious day. Yeah. Do you consider, and I know this is, you know, we're getting in the weeds of just arguments that people like to have online, but you know how some people try to do the thing like the wild card, like the play-in game? That's not the playoffs. Was the last round, was that the playoffs? Sure felt like it to me, man, staying up till one thirty, watching us grind out. I think making it a three-game series makes it the playoffs, but I did not consider the wild card game when it was just one game. I didn't really consider that making the playoffs. Like, if you get in there and you lose, like, you were you a playoff team last year? I don't know, maybe not. I've always thought once they paint it on the field, it's the playoffs. Okay, that's fair. Like, when they go and they, they go the extra step, it's more than a regular season game. I mean, I don't know how you could have watched Tuesday and Wednesday and felt like that wasn't the playoffs because yeah. it, it definitely felt like it. I don't know. Just like it felt like the playoffs like Tuesday at one o'clock, <laughs> like my just my chest started going. Definitely. And the weather's the weather's starting to turn. So you, you definitely feel it, I think. So what we're doing is we're doing something after every game. But with that, we were kind of doing something before every game is the way it is. So. We want to, like, preview, not necessarily the whole series, because on Sunday as we record this at 1 o'clock, what we're going to say is relevant for Game 1. The whole world changes before Game 2. You know, like, win or lose, if you win or you lose Game 1, 
Game two is very different. It's impossible on Sunday to preview Tuesday's game. Totally impossible. And Monday night at 1 a.m. or whenever we get on here on Monday night is going to be completely different than whatever we're talking about now. And I feel like we're in a very similar position that we were going into the wild card round, which is that we have to win game one to win this series. And I feel very confident that we will win game one because we have Garrett Cole pitching. (laughs) You could say that Garrett Cole gets paid $324 million to go out and start 32 games every year, maybe go on short rest if we need him down the stretch, uh, to be a leader, to um, you know motivate players, to go out and win 20 games, win a Cy Young. You could say all those things. Garrett Cole makes $324 million to give us a 1-0 series lead every series. Like That's why you pay him the big bucks. We need to be up 1-0 every series. 100%. And in past years, it'd be, oh, we have Tanaka against Verlander, or we have Paxton against Cole. Like, we'd always have the, the shittier end of that stick, so it's nice to have the better ace. And Blake Snell, he is an ace. I'll admit that, but yeah. he is not Garrett Cole. He's not Cole. He's not Cole. You, you know, the they obviously, you know, they advanced. They did their sweep. They did it at home. But now we're going into, you know, it's weird. They're in a bubble. They're in San Diego. They're in an unfamiliar stadium. You know, no one's played there this year. Even Cleveland, like going to Cleveland is a place we hadn't been this year versus, you know, the Rays played at home. That's why you should have a better regular season because you end up getting that. But we're now like, who knows how Snell's going to react to that, to that situation. I feel more confident if you just want to tell me on nerves, on their mental you know, you take out, like, physically how they do anything. I, I'm That's advantage Cole, in my mind. A- absolutely, and Cole's from right down the road from San Diego, pretty much, Orange County. Most of our players, Stanton, Hicks, a lot of them are from Southern California, so I think this is a place they're going to be very comfortable. I mean, I think most important, when we're talking about Garrett Cole, Southern California, being comfortable at home, Higgy. Higgy's at home, baby. Yep. Yeah, they grew up, and those three, those two and Hicks grew up playing travel ball together in Southern California, so should be business as usual for us. I was actually looking at the Petco Park, how it kind of played in terms of, is it a pitcher's park, is it a hitter's park? It was the eighth best place for homers this year, so obviously that has something to do with Machado and Tatis ripping bombs, but it's not like we're going into some daunting pitcher's park. I also think our bats are going to play here. Yeah, I mean... To a certain extent, like, yeah, I want to hit all the home runs, right? Uh, hitting all the home runs would be great. Ah, smack one in the gap and just get out there and run. Like, we have some guys who can run. I'm not talking about Stanton. I'm not talking about Judge. I'm talking about let Hicks get out there and open it up. I mean, we talked about in the last series, some of these guys that are normally going first to third are going first to home because they're finding that extra gear. Glaber's legs are fine. Let's let him get out, you know, smack one in the gap and get running. Let Clint get out there and get running. Let Gardner, if he's in the lineup, you know, get out there, smack it, and get running. Voight was our leadoff hitter. Fastest guy alive. And we had a lot of extra base hits that weren't homers in the in the Cleveland series, it felt like. I remember the Hicks triple. Gardy had a couple of doubles. They were going gap to gap a lot as opposed to just swinging for the fences. And, and it's that approach, and not only in this ballpark, but just in general. They just all have a really good approach right now going gap to gap. And I'm very confident in our bats. The Rays pitching staff is tough, but Cleveland had the best ERA of any team in the entire major leagues, and we hung 22 runs on them. Yeah, and so 
we the season series Yankees uh, Rays not good, not in our favor by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, they kicked the shit out of us this year. Blake Snell started against the Yankees on August seventh and won a one nothing game. He only went like three or four innings in that game. We we he can went check. Three innings. I know. Okay, yeah, so he was basically an opener. So then he, on the 18th of August, went five innings against us, gave up three earned runs, and they won 6-3. So he started against us twice. They've won twice. I keep going back to, and I don't know, maybe I'm just hoping for, I'm making shit up so I feel better about myself. In the NFL, the Patriots beat the Jets twice in the regular season. Mark Sanchez beats them in the playoffs. Like, we see that again. You beat a team twice in the regular season. It's tough to go 3-0. and And now yeah. Snell, who hasn't had amazing starts against the Yankees, is going to go in there and face a team coming off a big week series, revitalize. And for him, for the Rays as a whole, essentially the Rays beat us both games of the regular season if this is football. Now you got to go beat us in the playoffs, and I just think it's a little different. It's definitely different. And look, they be, if this was football, they beat us without our starting quarterback. I mean, we didn't have Judge for six of those games. We didn't have Stanton for seven of them. And we didn't have DJ for the three-game series that we got swept. So the team that they beat or dominated and were puffing their chest out about is not the team that they are going to face on Monday night in San Diego. It's just not. We have all the momentum because – they have everything to lose, right? I mean, they went 8-2 against us. We got nothing to lose, and we're healthy. I feel really good, and I think we have a lot more momentum, too. We beat up, like I said, on the best pitching staff in the world, and they beat the Blue Jays at home. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, I mean, that's what it comes it down to. feels good. And everything was clicking. And I think even – now, obviously, I've said Cole's there to get us up one nothing. We should be up one nothing. you know, when we talk again Monday night. But – even if we're not, I'm more confident in our team rebounding than they should be in themselves rebounding. Like, I think game one is more of a must-win for them than us. Why is that? I just think they're a younger, uh, less experienced team, and we've been through more and, and come back from it. No, you're right. We've been through more adversity, and, and I know we're mainly talking about game one, but assuming game two is Tanaka and Glasnow. Glasnow is a guy that I think we can grind out of a game after four innings. He's like He's got great stuff, but he's a high-pitch count guy, not very efficient, and I trust Tanaka. You know, obviously, if there's not a hurricane in San Diego or some crazy bullshit going on, I trust him if we're down 0-1 to even a backup way more than I would trust Glasnow if I was them, even though Glasnow is the more talented pitcher. Yeah. Um. Let's talk, this schedule is fucking stupid. To have us, we're the East Coast teams. We're playing at 8 o'clock on Monday night. The West Coast teams are playing at 4 o'clock East Coast time. So they're playing 1 o'clock games in their market on a Monday. And I know there's travel, it's COVID, it, it's crazy. But like we had no baseball all weekend. But we're going to have to stay up till 1 o'clock in the morning on a weeknight. See, I'm going to disagree here. I like being in prime time. I like having the spotlight on the Yankees. I don't give a shit about the West Coast or their fans or Padres fans or Athletics fans. Growing up, the Yankees always played at 8 o'clock during the playoffs ever since I could remember it. I'm just used to it at this point. Like, this time of the year. It's still going to be late. sunny, though. It's 8 o'clock, but now we're dealing with shadows, too. Yeah. 
Do you think the play, but like I don't think Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton want to wake up and play a one o'clock baseball game. Like these guys are used to playing at night or later in the day. I'd rather them play at five than play at one, wouldn't you? Like just in terms of them them being comfortable and them playing. I guess, but like game one and game two, eight are eight are eight o'clock. Game three, seven o'clock. Game four, seven o'clock. Game five, seven o'clock. I guess yeah, we're the Yankees. Yeah, that's what it is. I, I should have known. Full, I don't want to play off game ever for the Yankees to start at four o'clock Eastern. Like when we had to face Cole at home last year in Game Three, of that game you were at, I hated that that game started at four because it didn't feel like a playoff game. Yeah, but now I'm home. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. I'm to I get, I get to it. Sleep. In certain parts and look, obviously Wednesday was a marathon. We both felt like we had drank twenty beers the night before, even though I didn't drink a drop. Thursday, I was supposed to go to the beach. I was supposed to drive to Beach Haven. And I just told my wife at like 1 o'clock, I was like, listen, I feel fucking hungover. I didn't have a single drink. I was like, I feel so hungover. Like, I can't at 7 o'clock drive an hour and a half. It's just not going to be good. Totally, totally exhausted. And I was thinking, like, can you even imagine how we would have felt if they would have lost that game? Like, not only have been, been tired and on feeling awful, but trying to gear up for half in a do-or-die game on Thursday night, that would have been a nightmare. Yeah, uh, I, I actually probably would have driven and just wrapped my car around the telephone pole. <laughs> um, so we're in the bubble, and Maybe. the news is, like, I don't know, people are trying to make news. It was like, these guys are, you know, they're staying in the same hotel. Like, as if these guys, they're going to be fighting in the buffet line. I mean, we're still talking about grown men. Yeah, they're not going to talk to each other. They're not going to interact. And, and that's kind of what a bubble is. You want them all to be as close together as possible. Would I prefer if maybe they were in a different wing or a different building or something? Yeah, but look, this this is what it is. They're not going to interact. They're not going to talk. And I think it's already getting a little played out. Like, these two teams don't like each other. Like, we, like we know. Like, they don't have to keep quoting that. Let's find something else. We know they don't like each other, but, like, it's the playoffs. You know, it's the beginning of a playoff series where you've been through a lot in this shortened season and, like, all the weird shit that, you know, has gone on in the world and in the league and rules changing and all this stuff that I feel confident, at least when we're talking about game one, game two, no one doing anything stupid, no one throwing at anyone or and risking a suspension at this point in the season. Oh, absolutely not. And these teams both love to chirp at each other. And, and look, we like throwing up and in almost just as much as they do. You have to be able to separate the emotion from, from playing because Veraldus Chapman gets suspended for a playoff game where we can't count on some unnamed witness bailing out again like, like we did the last time. Yeah. It's, so I don't think there's, yeah, I don't think there's going to be any kind of fighting or anything like that. And, you know, I mean, the hope is you just you go out there, you play three games, four games, and then, you know, and we're staying there and they're going home. That's one thing I do like is that the next round is in the same – is in San Diego, so you can build a little bit of comfort. You know, you don't have to leave. The goal is that you're in your hotel room for two weeks now. Yeah, settle in, settle in, buckle up, and obviously we want to end this in four so we don't have to use coal in a game five, we'll be ready to use Cole on three days rest, but it would be tough. I think it would be tough to win the, win the ALCS with only one Cole start, which is what would happen if we have to use him in game five. Yeah, and I just don't know that, like, I, 
I if this goes to a Friday, can you imagine eight o'clock, eight o'clock, seven o'clock, seven o'clock? How wiped we're going to be on fucking Friday? Yeah, I was. I mean, with how wiped I was after just a two game set. Yeah, Yeah, Friday night. Friday night would be miserable. Totally miserable. This is going to take a lot out of us. There's going to be a lot of pitching changes. Both of these teams like to see a lot of pitches. Both of these teams like to foul balls off. So I, I would gear up for marathon nights if I was a fan. I mean, Kevin Cash, they might bullpen at least you know at least two of these games. You could see them doing anything. Yeah, you want to read some ads? Yeah, absolutely. We got to pay the bills around here, pumping out these podcasts. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be, may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I'm going to be betting on the Yanks. I'm confident this week. I feel good. I, like, I almost feel better. Because we lost so much to them. Yes. I feel like it takes all the pressure off and the fact that we weren't healthy for any of those games. It honestly reminds me a little bit when we were going into the 2018 ALDS. I know we didn't win it, but all the pressure was on Boston. They had the 108-win season. They had beaten us all year, and they, and they kind of had to win it, and they did. But we didn't have DJ LeMayhew, and we didn't have Garrett Cole, and they're our two best players. So that's why I feel a lot different going into this one. Yeah. Um Oh, shit. I was just going to ask you something. I felt like it was a very insightful question, and I lost it. Yeah, I just – I'm with you. It's it, it's tough to – it's tough to worry about the Rays. It's tough to worry about the Rays when you're at, like – when you feel like you're at full strength, when you see what we saw last week. Like, we've strung together – we had that, um, you know, Blue Jay series where it felt like we were all healthy and we went off, and now, you know, and then you're maybe overconfident. You start to figure it out. I just I like where we are. Um, I I think a big thing is going to be the bullpen. Yes. I mean the bullpen, they got bailed out last week. Someone's got to do. I say it all the time. Who wants to be a fucking baseball player today? Yeah, go out there. You got to do your job. You know, go out there, earn that paycheck. Is out of like is Adovino someone who can contribute to this team? I, this I don't round? know. I I can't answer that question. And the tough part about the who wants to be a ball player today? Boone was giving Jonathan Lewisaga every single opportunity to get into that circle of trust, and he just totally pissed down his leg. And I think he faced six batters and got one of them out. And he could have been he could have been 
entering that trust tree, and now he's not. And it's like, fuck, man, nobody, nobody wanted it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they use it. I, I make a lot of wrestling references because I'm a giant child. But um, it's a thing, like, they use in that industry all the time, not for, like, what you see on screen, but, like, who's going to go out there and grab the brass ring? And Luizaga, yeah. like, the, the ladder was set up for you. Someone was holding it, you know? And you just had to grab the brass ring, and he didn't. Yeah, not only did he was he not able to get out of the seventh in the biggest spot, but Boone brought, Boone brought him back out, and he walked the first two guys. It's like, man, you showed us absolutely nothing. Like, Adovino could do that. Adovino could come in and watch <laughs> I've seen Adovino do that a billion times. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, it's just wondering who's going to step up. And I feel like a lot of people have been banging the Johnny Lasagna drum for a while because he, he throws hard and he's got good stuff. But there, I feel like there's just something off with that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I just – can't I don't really star. Can't use him as a high leverage reliever. Like, what do you, what do you do here? Yeah, I mean, we're really noticing Canely now. Like that, <sighs> that loss, we're feeling it. And it's the format too, man. Like, I think if we were ha- if we had the normal off days, we we wouldn't really be stressing about this. It's like, oh, we could use Green every other game or whatever. And now with five in a row, it's like, fuck. I think because now also, so a decision that they have to make, you know, Boone. Cashman, the whole coaching staff is, and, and everything's fluid to a certain extent, but like decide like what's our rotation for this? Who's starting what games? Cole, Tanaka, is it Cole, Tanaka, Hap, and then is it Garcia, is it Montgomery, and then is it back to Cole? Do we understand what that's going to be? Can we get, like can we figure out like what's the best way to use Garcia? What's the best way to use, you know, what young guys are going to be on the roster now? Because also the roster is going to shift a little bit. You know, he's king on that roster. Um, uh, I don't want him in any of these You know, do, do we use, you know, how do we use Green? How do we use Garcia? How do we use Montgomery? Let's figure out, because those are three guys that in theory could start games. Those are guys that in relief could give you multiple innings. What's the best way to use them? And map that out. Yeah, and there's been some speculation that Hat might start game two because of that, because of spacing everything out, and do we want to use our best two pitchers right in a row? So I know Joel Sherman wrote a, wrote a column where he said he could see them going Hap in game two and Tanaka in game three to kind of space the bullpen out a, a little bit, but it seems like with five in a row, there's going to have to be a night where it's not a punt game, but you're not, you're not using everybody. At the same time, Tanaka, so like we're kind of accepting Cole's going to give us Six, seven innings, who knows, maybe eight, you know, that's what he's going to give us. Hap has looked good at the end of the season. He's gone deep into some games. Tanaka, you know, playoff Tanaka, and he went out and he battled, and it was unusual circumstances. But Hap and Tanaka, it's almost a coin flip of who's going to give you, either guy could give you seven innings, either guy could give you two-thirds of an inning. Oh yeah, I'm not banking on I'm not banking on eight innings from Tanaka yeah. by any stretch. I'd be I'd be happy with five innings, two runs. Yeah. Somebody put a gun to my head. I, I have no illusions about Tanaka. I think a lot of people do. We we really don't. But no matter how you slice it, and then I think Montgomery, he has to be in the bullpen as a length guy because you're gonna have Cole pitching game five anyway. So you can use Montgomery as So who starts game guy. four? Davy. Davy? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm giving it to Davy. I so, for me personally, I'd rather be up 2-0 with Hap on the mound in Game 3 and a 
depleted uh, depleted bullpen than have then be one one and relying on Tanaka with also a depleted bullpen. Yeah, you're probably right because if we're up two zero with Hap and a depleted bullpen, you might just get just lucky. Punt, yeah, or but it's we, a punt night. But you, who know, Maybe that's a night we put up nine runs. Yeah. No, yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. And but I think it's very telling that they haven't announced game two start yet. I, I honestly don't even think they know. They might be waiting to see what happens in game one. If we win, we do this. If we lose, we do this. I know they've done that for some of our double headers. They wouldn't announce the start like the Phillies double header, depending on whether we win or lose. That's how they make that decision. But this new format brings new wrinkles and new questions that Cashman and our staff and organization, despite being in the playoffs every year, have never had to deal with before. No, and it's also the um, the weird like rules just rules changed. You know, we didn't know that there would be no off days, things that you would normally know. And again, you can't. You know, it's easy to go back and second guess what is the um, you know what is the trade deadline look like if we knew this. Is it you know do we approach it differently? But. It's already happened. It's come and gone. So now we just kind of got to deal with what we have, you know, but that's an unusual circumstance. Yeah, and I think Cashman and Boone were a little bit pissed off that Manfred told everybody after the deadline. All the GMs made it seem like they were not told that this would even be a possibility before the trade deadline. And like we've talked about, you got to think we would have traded for a reliever if we would have known this. Yeah, I, you, you got to hope that we would have instead of just sitting put. Uh, and also, you're not getting, I mean, I remember last year for the ALCS, I mean, we had a game get rained out, and we were all hoping for a rain out. Like, we needed yes. that rain out. It was Bull Durham. Uh, and that, like, listen, you're just not, get, no rain out's coming. You're not getting a rain out in San Diego. You have a better chance that the stadium burns down then you get a rain out right now. And that's actually true. That's not even an exaggeration. Right, because the fires. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny, and I think that's advantage Yankees, good weather. I feel like the Rays rely on the trop, the lights going out, the roof. Like I feel like they rely a lot on random bullshit that doesn't have to do with the game. And if you give me a neutral, perfect weather environment, I think that's advantage Yankees. Um, who do you think – who's starting in the outfield? Is uh, uh, Game one, is Brett Gardner starting or is Clint Frazier starting? I knew this was going to come up, and I'm going Gardner. The bats are really hot. I'd rather have the surefire defense. We already have two serious liabilities in the field in Luke Voigt and Glaber Torres. I'd rather have a stud defender and left. I know, you know, Frazier's improved, but give me the great defense. Give me the grinded out at bats. I'm sorry, Clint, but right now I got to play the hot hand. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because you're also going, Snell's a lefty. Mm. And then the other two are righties. So maybe Clinton game one and then Guardian two and three against the righties. Then Maybe that's my answer. Yeah, I mean, and it's weird because obviously Clint got the opportunity to pinch hit, didn't do much with it, uh, but he sat, you know, the two playoff games kind of a week or, you know, ten days after he's our starting outfielder. You know, Clint Frazier's starting outfielder, comes to work every day, knows that he is that, and then he's not. Um and again, I think at a certain point, you know, yeah, the the chariot's going to turn back into a pumpkin on Gardner. And it was it's it? Already. Yeah, was it going to be last e- series? Was it going to be this series? At some point, it's going to happen because you've still got you know 
a 37-year-old man out there battling. And who knows if even having this time off, like you just get four days off, I don't think that helps. I don't think that helps Gardner. No, but but the thing with Guardy and Guardy's always been bad in the playoffs. I'm pretty sure he's under 200 career batting average in the playoffs. But usually that's after playing 162, and he's a guy that traditionally always wears down in the second half. And you didn't have that this year, so maybe is Guardy just kind of coming into it? Is this his kind of prime time June, July when he's usually at his best? That could be the case, and maybe not playing that 162 is is advantage Guardy be, being an older guy. I mean, Brad Gardner was still. A bad baseball player this year. I mean, hit 223. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, no, I know. We can't kind of discount that. He's just really, when it, when it comes down to it, and he's a postseason 205 hitter. He is, but he's also a guy where you, when Guardy comes up in a big spot, you know he's going to give you seven or eight pitches, and you really don't know what you're going to get with Clint in a playoff game. I'm not holding that one at bat against him, but I know Guardy's going to grind out at bats, the bottom of the order, work some walks, and, and do some positive things, and Clint could go up there and strike out on three pitches. You just don't know. It's actually amazing how much worse Brett Gardner gets as the playoffs go on. It's crazy, right? So he's played in five wild card games. So like this year, the two games count, whatever. And he's a three thirteen hitter. He has played in seven divisional series series, twenty five games in total. Two sixty five hitter. So it goes from three thirteen to two sixty five. He's played in five ALCSs in a total of twenty eight games. One fifty six hitter from two sixty five to one fifty six. And in the World Series, where he's played in one World Series, five games, ten plate appearances, zero. He has no hits in the World Series. He was taking over for an injured Melky Cabrera. He's got ten at-bats. Still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 313, 265, 156, zero. I think that... Again, like I think Brett's great on defense. Maybe you find him in a bat. Uh, a game one, I'm going with Clint Frazier. Okay, fair enough. You know, just I'm I'm gonna roll with Guardy just because I really like I really like what I've seen thus far. Wouldn't be mad at all if they go with Clint. This is a very kind of toss up for me. I won't be mad at either way. But based on what I've seen from Guardy these two games, I'm I'm just gonna play the hot hand. But it's a fun debate. Ooh, against Blake Snell, Clint is only one for ten. Yeah, and that's so small. I don't even know if I, I would go off that. For me, it's more about it's more about the defense for me and, and kind of the trust factor in, in the playoffs. And I'm not a I'm not a Gardner guy by any stretch of the imagination. I think during the regular season when guys are banged up and we don't have all of our bats, Clint is very very valuable in that four or five hole. But when we have all the bats and we're scoring ten runs a game, do we do we really need his bat as much as we need Gardner's defense? Yeah. You know, it's, it's just like you could you could do it either way. And to be honest, like I I don't know enough about San Diego's field and like how it plays. I haven't watched enough games out there. Mm-hmm. Um, even you know for the last round, like I caught you know some of the stuff, but you know you don't you just don't see how it plays. I'm not as plugged into to that sure. stadium um, because it's not even a thing where at least. In a normal season, if you told me, like, oh, we're going to play a series in San Diego, I've seen a lot of Padres highlights or clips where I've been studying the Padres, but it's not 
so I haven't seen anything. I know the Rays because we're going to play the Rays. Yeah, right, you know? right. We're, we're used to them. And at this point, I feel like both sides are sick of each other. We're, we're sick of the Rays. Have you ever met a Rays fan? Like a real one? Yeah, I haven't. Um, so I probably have. So my parents live just outside of Tampa, just okay. south of Tampa. And there, my dad's like one of his best friends growing up, whose aunt was George Costanza. She was the assistant to the traveling secretary when I was a kid. Yeah. So they were like, that's how I went to Yankee games growing up all the time and always had six seats was because we knew Ann Milio. Um, so his friend moved down there before my parents did. Like they moved when I was a kid and we vacationed where they now live. So I had like 1997, um, like inaugural season Tampa Bay Rays like shirts. I went to their fan fest one year because we would go down like in New York, schools closed like President's Week, and we went down there and it happened. You know, I'm just a kid. I'm a huge baseball fan. It's like 1998, so I'm like 13. I'm like, hey, they're having fan fest, so I went at, to like I was on the field and did all their fan That's fest cool. stuff. So there are, I'm sure, like if you were born. Like, you could be 20 right now, and all you've known is you grew up and, like, you had, a, you know, a baseball team. Yeah. There are older people who maybe, like, picked up on it because a lot of that portion of Florida – so the way Florida normally works is the Atlantic coast is where you get, you know, New England, New York. Like, we all move down there. You rarely go cross-state moving. So you get on the west coast of Florida is a lot of the Midwest – Minnesota, Chicago. So, you know, I'm sure there are people who maybe, like, growing up, they were Brewers fans, you know, or White Sox fans or whatever, who then lived in Tampa long enough or in that area that they said, I'm going to become a fan of that. But, no, I've never, like, I've never had a job where someone's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm a big Rays fan. Yeah. And, and you've met some, but you're a guy who has family and friends kind of in that area. I think if you take the generic Yankee fan from whatever, North Jersey or Long Island, I feel like most of us haven't really come into contact with many of them. And, and everything we see on Twitter, it's just kind of random people. But I, I think I was talking about it with Andrew is that I've never, I've never met one. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, even when I came to college in Philly, the guys in the dorm next to me were Red Sox fans. I had never met one of them before. I was just like, oh, I, I've seen on TV in the crowd that those exist. Yeah. I've seen them at games, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe they're crisis actors. Like, <laughs> you know, I never met, like, a real person who had those terrible morals. And it's one of those things, like, now that you talk about it, it's just like, if someone is, if someone's like, oh, yeah, I'm a Rays fan. It's like, okay, you're not a baseball fan. Then. You know, like, people are like, oh, I'm a big baseball fan. Like, I don't know. It just feels like. Maybe you lived in the area and you just wanted some air conditioning and tickets are like $3 and they have a rock climbing wall in there. They have good food there. I did stadium eats there. Oh, yeah, you've been there. I've, I've never been there. Everybody rips, everybody rips on that stadium. But, yeah, the players, the players are hateable enough for me. Like Kevin Cash is a total douchebag. Kevin Kiermeyer, I can't stand. I saw Their pitchers you are really chirp. obnoxious. Him, like there was some quote of like Kevin Kiermeyer said something. You're like, and you just responded like, you bat ninth, dude. Yeah, yeah, you can't talk, man. You're, you're the nine-hitter. Like, you can show up, ha hang around. You know, I hit ninth for my high school baseball team. I wasn't shit-talking the other team. You know what I mean? Like, if, if their three- or four-hitter wants to talk or play, Is that what you did? You batted, you batted ninth? I batted ninth, yeah. What position did you play? Left. I didn't have the arm to play center. I had the range, 
play center, but I didn't have the arm. I was okay. just happy to start for varsity, if we're being honest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I batted sixth and second. All right. But whatever. Oh, okay. A b- big shot over here. Let me tell you, though. You put me in the sixth hole, I will mash. And by mash, I mean get on base a lot, a lot of base hits. You put me in the two hole, you're looking at a nice 0 for 4 day. A lot of pressure. I was just one of those guys. Like, just couldn't do it. Senior My year. My favorite part about the nine hole was you got a first pitch fastball every single time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because let me tell you, as a guy who pitched, you get in that box, you stink. <laughs> you know? I probably, I, I'd love to find out, like, how many nine hitters I walked. Where you're just like, where it's like, ah, oh, this is an easy out. Or even, like, when you would play into, like, Babe Ruth League. You know, you're, you're playing when you're, you know, 13, 14, um, maybe even, like, you know, uh, and there's still, like, a girl or two that plays. I don't know if you had that. In the Bronx, there was, like, there would be, like, two girls who are still playing. They're not playing for a high school baseball team, but they're playing Babe Ruth, like, travel ball baseball. Uh, that stopped at, like, 12. Like, Little League. It starts... Yeah. That's when there would be, like, you'd go from... There'd be a lot of girls when you're in, like, kindergarten. It would, like, dwindle down in a softball... There's a softball program, so they'd go play softball, and then there'd be, like, you know, maybe two girls by the time you got to, like, fifth, sixth grade. Like, you know, the major leagues of Little League. And then after that, it was, like, pretty much done in a whole league of like the Bronx you would get maybe two girls I remember one played third base I fucking spiked her right in the ankle sliding in <laughs> and I remember my coach was like what'd you do you spiked that girl I was like she I don't know don't put your ankle there like I didn't do that because she's a girl you're playing ball yeah but I walked a fair I remember it was a thing when I was like you know when the bases get bigger and everything you know the bases get further apart I just I couldn't strike a girl out i just like i hit one one time and it fucked with me uh no yeah i I felt that that would mess with you but now that that ended early for me i feel like everybody in this series is talking about the yankees offense and our power bats against the rays power pitching but in terms of the yankees pitching versus the rays offense are you scared of any individuals in that lineup like is there anybody in that lineup where you're like oh shit i don't want to face this guy to me there's really not no not really I mean, they're a scrappy group. You know, they're – we talked about it early in the season, how we get everybody's, you know, everybody's best punch. And then it hits a point where it's like these guys maybe aren't playing above, like, above their weight. Like, this is where they are. They're just a good baseball team. And to a certain extent, like, we're going into it like, hey, we're the underdogs. Like, that's fine. We'll go out there and we'll, you know, we'll be the underdogs. I think, you know, I worry about, like, G-Min Choi. Like, he fucking, he kills us for some reason. Garrett Cole is going to figure him out. there. I think that has pissed off Cole to no end, that that's even a thing. G-Man Choi owns Garrett Cole. I think Cole is going to look at some video, and Choi is going to go 0 for 5. But, like, then you got, like, yeah, you got Kevin Kiermeyer, and I just kind of feel like, I feel like we've been kicking the shit out of, like, Kevin Kiermeyer for however long he's been in baseball. Yeah, no, we have, and they don't have an oh shit player. But what I mean by an oh shit player, oh shit, Jose Ramirez is up. Oh shit, Jose Altuve's up. Oh shit, Nelson Cruz is up. They don't have, they don't have one of those guys to me. Oh shit, Joey Wendell's up. <laughs> you can't even say that with a straight like, face. Yeah, no, because yeah, and I'm not trying to get you know overconfident on it, but they had like they have uh, Diaz hit 307 for them. Besides that. 
They don't really have any guys with like a, a high batting average. And, you know, he did it in only 34 games. So who knows, like, you know, where that goes. I mean, Brandon Lowe put together a nice little season for himself. Joey Wendell put together a nice little season for himself in terms of, like, getting on base and stuff. But, you know, it's really your oh-shit player with your 14 home runs is your second baseman, Brandon Lowe, who hit 270. So, you know, that's great, but that's not David Ortiz, you know? No, no, and they have a bunch of solid 270 guys that are going to put the ball in play and make it tough, and they're going to be hard as a group, but they have nobody that's standing in the box where like, oh, this guy could hit it 450 feet and end this game. They, they put good at-bats together as a group, but individually I'm not scared of anybody. Depending on how they put their order together, if you have – if you give me Choi, Diaz, and then, I mean, he might not even be starting, but, like, Joey Wendell is one of their better hitters, that's not – Pedroia, Ortiz, Manny. Like, we're just not, you know, it's a very, let's not take away from they have some very good baseball players. Our baseball players are better baseball players than their baseball players. Boom, that is analytics right there, baby. Our baseball players are better than their baseball players. At being baseball players. (laughs) At baseball. We know what the Rays are going to do. They're going to play solid fundamental ball. They're going to score four or five runs a game maybe. They're not going to make many mistakes. We know they have a high floor, but we have a much higher ceiling. We have a 12-run ceiling. If if our hitters are on, we can go out and mash, and I feel like if the Yankee superstars play to their potential, we will win this fairly easily. If we're making mistakes and striking out and looking clueless like we were in the regular season against them, we won't, but we are certainly capable of doing more than they are. I don't think that's even debatable. Yeah, you know, As long as the bats show up for us, I think Cole is locked the fuck in. And, you know, it's not even – because they've been out in San Diego for a couple days. They stayed in Cleveland. They had a workout in Cleveland. That's nice. We beat you. We conquered your land. We get to work out here while you guys go home. Yep. Um, And so there's not even, like, uh, shitty scheduling and Cole's, like, just getting out there. Like, Cole's – the time adjustments happened. I just imagine Cole in his room being like a fucking psychopath, like ready to fucking go studying film, probably Cole and Higgy maybe sharing a room, just like, no, we'll do, I don't need sweet, we'll do two queens, (laughs) push them together. Jumbo bed. Absolutely. Yes. They could, they could rent some movies. They could watch Step Brothers. Yeah. Be a good, perfect for them. Yeah, dude, Cleveland is a scary place to play. I was terrified going into that Indian series. I was very upfront about it. I hated playing at the Jake, and I hated going up against Bieber and Carrasco, and I'm just not as scared of Snell and Glasnow and Morton in sunny San Diego as I was against the Cleveland pitchers in a goddamn hurricane at our field of horrors. We just went to a piece of shit city and beat the baseball team with the best ERA by lighting them up, lighting their pitchers up, Played against the weather, played against swarms of insects. We're talking biblical thing. We're dealing yeah, yeah. with locusts. We're dealing with tsunamis. Woo. This is what it is. 
Yeah, we're ready, man. I'm and, ready for game one. And that one. delay, you know, I've talked about it all year. We've, we've had the most rain delays, the most cancellations for a team that didn't test positive. We, we've dealt with so much bullshit that that hurricane delay and the stop and start, That's why do you think we handled it so much better than Cleveland did? Because we're just like, oh, we're getting screwed again. We're used to it. Boone will have them ready, and I think Boone is going to have them ready to rock and roll on Monday night. Man, can we just play this now? You're, I'm just ready. No, dude, you got to go watch some football games. I right. gotta take a nap. <laughs> How was the beach, by the way? I mean, the beach is great. You know, I mean, I don't like sand, so it's perfect. I didn't have to to go and do any of that. But I like, I just like beach towns. You know, went for a long walk with my wife and the baby. Take the dogs out for you know walk. You know, let them go play in the park uh, in the morning, and then I'm doing happy hour outside, mm. having oysters, fresh oysters. Perfect. A nice a cocktail sauce. Couple Allagash whites. Mm. You know, my wife's having a rosé. I've got a beautiful daughter. I've got two celebrity dogs. Just having a great time. Had You're breakfast. It up. Had breakfast from the Chegg this morning. I mean, what oh. else is there? You know, nothing, man. And what better place to clear your head before a long, stressful playoff series than getting that sea air, those relaxing vibes, the beach town? There's nothing beats sitting out on the deck, smoking a blunt, just thinking about beat in the race mm, nothing <laughs> well listen I can't say better than that yeah game one uh, if you're listening to this on Monday morning it's tonight we're going to be tweeting we're going to be talking about the games we're going to be talking about uh, you know we're going to get on and do another one so you're going to wake up on Tuesday with the show Wednesday with the show until the Yankees get us a day off um, so you can follow Nick on Twitter at nkirbyny. Follow me at JJ from the Bronx. Follow the show at George's Box Pod. We'll get some tweets going off from there. Um, hey, we want to see you at the parade. So we need to win game one. We're going to win game one. We're going to win game two. We're going to see you at the parade. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to buyoptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.